WRZI Waco, K222DC Waco, K265DV Temple, ESPN Central Texas. Straight up and down, 5 o'clock. Welcome back into the program. This is game time here on ESPN Central Texas. Tom Ward and Aaron, we're glad you're with us as we get you ready for high school football tomorrow night, Baylor football on Saturday, and, of course, the Cowboys on Monday night. And we're joined now by R.J. Ochoa from Blogging the Boys and ESPN San Antonio. R.J., how are you today, my friend? I'm doing great, guys. It's uh, nice to uh, have so many sporting options available. The Ryder Cup's also this weekend. The good times are here. This is the best time of year. Yeah, and, and, and DeChambeau says he and, and Kepka are buddies. There, there's no problems there. <laughs> I just thought we'd pass that along. Hey, RJ, uh, what, the Cowboy linebacker situation, what's it look like today, and what, what do you think it's going to look like on Monday? Because it, it may be different. Yeah, you know, obviously the biggest wild card at this point is Keanu Neal and, and whether he's able to play, obviously, on the reserve COVID-19 list right now. Um, you know, Keanu's played a lot for the Cowboys, but uh, they do have depth. I mean, this is kind of something that everybody talked about all offseason long, how they've obviously got, you know, Micah Parsons now their first-round pick, but Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderish present other options. And so I don't know that any Cowboys fan is pumped about having to potentially rely on them if Micah has to play some more defensive end. but. They did hold up rather well against the Chargers, who are an offense that, by all measures, are a lot better than the Eagles. When you look at this game last week and the moniker for the Cowboys was, yeah, they're a good team, but they can't beat a good team. Did they finally beat a good team in the Chargers? You know, it's interesting. The Cowboys haven't beaten a team that finished a season with a record above 500 uh, since week 15 of 2019. They beat another Los Angeles team. It was the Rams then. And that team, while they did finish above 500, didn't even make the playoffs. And so the Cowboys actually have had a really difficult time for like a decade beating good teams. They've been able to obviously pile up wins against the lower quality teams. And, you know, that, that's important. Um, but I, I think that last week was probably the best team they've beaten under Mike McCarthy. It's probably the most high quality win they've had under Mike McCarthy. And obviously it went down to the wire. So that's, you know, you know, take of that what you will, but, um, I think it says a lot. I think the fact that the Cowboys were able to get through those first two games one and one, the fact that they were able to win last week in spite of losing all of the players that they did, it's a huge, you know, call it a boost of confidence, momentum, you know, adder. But um, I, I think it goes a long way at this team feeling like they can belong among the best teams in the NFL. RJ, do you know where the game clocks are in the stadium, by the way? <laughs> you know, that's the that's the biggest hogwash. Of, there's nine guys in the box that have a headset on. Come on. It, it um, the one thing I will say, I, I, I do agree with you, but this was the first game that the Cowboys, at least, had played in that building with fans and not just fans, but, you know, more television people, because you know how it is. You got all the people running the wires and stuff more social people, you know, more sideline people. I mean, it was, you know, so there was a new setting to that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, even in spite of that, I don't have an issue with the way they handled the end of the first half. I mean, to me, the primary objective was to milk the clock and, and drain it all the way. And if you get into field goal range, that's obviously what you want to do. They did that. Would I have loved them to pick up 10 or 15 more yards? Absolutely. And it's not a matter of, you know, the results justifying the process for me. I, you know, I think it, it made sense when they were doing it, but – uh, I actually I do think that their excuse for it made it worse. 
Yeah, and again, when when you you mentioned ten or fifteen yards, your your percentages obviously go through the roof when you're ten or fifteen yards closer. So, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, and we talked about it Monday, you know, internally. Would Mike McCarthy have gotten back on that airplane and flown home if he would if they would have missed that field goal, gone to overtime and lost? I mean. I, I I shudder to think what where the Cowboys would be today and, and what the conversation would be like still today. You know, it would be tough, and I think people would obviously have come for him all week long. But but some of that is obviously because you know he's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I and we look at the world through that prism. I get that, but I I find it amazing that nobody has really had any problem, at least nationally, with the way that Brandon Staley handled that. I mean, you know, that great that point. Situation, you know, that situation becomes so different if if the, the team with the ball is down by one or down by two and you, you have to have the field goal or you lose. But that game's tied. And Justin Herbert is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And Brandon Staley was not at all concerned with preserving any time to give his guy the ball. Uh, so, I mean, if there is a consensus that Mike McCarthy fumbled it, I think that Brandon Staley did in a significantly worse direction. Yeah, those, those, those timeouts don't carry over to the next game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who, you know, why, what are you doing wasting time? I mean, uh, to me, at, at the point that it becomes obvious that a team is in remotely close field goal range, you have to start playing that defense, and Brandon Staley did not. RJ, is this offensive line in better shape than we thought it was after last week's game? You know, um, I, think, I think that this offensive line is, is probably evaluated to a stronger degree than we thought. Um, I still think they're – not in trouble, but I think that there is reason to, you know, kind of hold your breath. But Terrence Steele really proved everybody wrong. Uh, I went to Texas A&M, as you guys well know, and I've always thought that Texas Tech was a far more inferior, you know, school than Baylor. So I guess, um, you know, that's a pseudo compliment for you guys today. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, for that reason, I've, uh, I've, all, I've always, like, I've had this subliminal, you know, reason to not get on the Terrence Steele train. Um, and so, but man, I mean, he really proved a lot of people wrong. I think he was the biggest winner as a result of last week. And, and Joe Philbin and the Cowboys were all winners because they believed when nobody else did, when everybody thought that was a joke, they believed. And so I think the offensive line is in good hands, but I do think it is a point of contention still. When you look, when you look at the game coming up Monday night, uh, what, what are a couple of the keys that uh, we as fans should watch for? You know, I mean, this this Philly offense is interesting, but, you know, I, I'm not a huge believer in Jalen Hurts. I think Devontae Smith presents a challenge, probably the biggest challenge. I think that, you know, this Cowboys secondary is, is interesting and it's cute, and we, we kind of like the things they're doing, but they're going up against a really talented receiver in Devontae Smith, and I think that he's the guy that could potentially make this really big difference for Philadelphia. And, you know, the Cowboys have generated six turnovers through their first two games. That's the most in the NFL. Uh, something that, you know, nobody thought would be true at any point this season. And some of those have been a little bit fluky, but, you know, that kind of luck generally holds. And, and I think that, you know, the Cowboys obviously have a, an ability to poke the ball free in, in whatever way, sometimes, again, with a little bit of luck. But I, I think they really have to watch out because Philly does have dynamic playmakers that can, that can in one moment change this. And, and that's how a game happens. You know, if you, if you see a Jalen Hurts, a Devontae Smith, 70-yard touchdown, that just flips a game in an instant. And then you go from a point of comfort to a point of playing from behind. With this offense being able to run the ball and and throw the ball, of course, with Dak the the way they did last week, do you look for Kellen Moore to try to stay 
in that realm of being more balanced and not hit the panic button so early in a ball game? You know, I think that Kellen is really all about, you know, being chill and understanding what works best for the Cowboys and, and finding holes, finding the weak points in, in a particular defense, in this case, Philadelphia. And I think he's going to lean on that. You know, uh, I, like you guys ever watch a scary movie and, you know, like the bad guys coming and, and the good guys like hit him over the head with like a baseball bat and like walk away. Kellen Moore probably thinks that's the dumbest thing in the world. Like Kellen Moore's like, no, you got to like cut that dude's head off. You know what I mean? Like you got to throw it in the trash can. Like you got to ensure you got to attack every way you can and make sure that, you know, you're winning your matchup, so to speak. And, and I think that that's what he'll do in this game. I think he has taken all week. He's had an extra day technically to find and prepare for this particular team and to realize where they are weak and, you know, whether it's through the air, through the ground, he is going to lean on that and lean on it for four straight quarters and make sure that he breaks them. RJ, this is the uh, first of three straight at home for the Cowboys after opening with a uh, with two on the road and going one and one, which is exactly what they needed to do. Three at home is this is this a two and one? Is this a three and zero? Oh? What, what what do they need to get done in this early portion of the season? You know, I think this should be three wins in a row. To be frank, I mean, I know I took a shot at Baylor a moment ago, but I uh, I'm not high on that rule as an NFL coach. Uh, I know he's y'all's guy, but. Um, the Panthers are the toughest opponent the Cowboys will play in this stretch, sandwiched in between Philly and New York. And, you know, I do find it to be quite strange that, you know, the Cowboys play the Panthers next week, and the Panthers play the night on Thursday, the earliest possible day that an NFL team can play in a week. And the Cowboys play on Monday, the you know, the latest possible point that an NFL team can play in a given week. So Panthers literally getting the most rest and advantage possible while the Cowboys are getting the shortest now. Granted, the Cowboys are playing this game and that game at home, so maybe that mitigates it to a degree. But I, I really, you know, we, we talk about beating the Chargers, right? Like, okay, it's impressive if you can beat, you know, good teams. Well, you should beat and you should handle bad teams. The Panthers have a great defensive front, but it's Sam Darnold. I know it's Christian McCaffrey, but it's Sam Darnold. This is a quarterback league, and so you got to find a way to get that done. And I think, you know, even if we assume the Cowboys lose one game, you obviously prefer that it's that Panthers game. If they can come out of this 4-2 and two with a 2-0 and o record in the division, I mean, I think they're sitting really pretty. And that probably gets them to a point where Lyle Collins is back, Michael Gallup's back, you know, Dor or Demarcus Lawrence, excuse me, is probably going to take a little bit of time. But, you know, Dorrance Armstrong's back, you know. Carlos Watkins is back. The Cowboys are dealing with a lot of injuries, and they are playing some subpar teams, and so they don't necessarily have the same advantage. I think we all thought they would when the season started, but I think two wins is an easy floor for this team uh, over the next couple of weeks, taking us into the middle of October, and I really think they should go undefeated and, and get to 4-1. and one. All right, so Monday night, it's the Cowboys and the Eagles, and, and you're picking the Cowboys, it certainly sounds like. the Cow So tell us, the Cowboys win, why? I think because C.D. Lamb is, is really going to go off. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper said today on 105 Through the Fans, he thinks he'll be good to go on Monday. And Amari has generally had a way of, of really showing up against the Eagles. But C.D. Lamb is kind of, to me, I think C.D. and Micah are the weird points of connection between the Cowboys and the Eagles. You know, so many Eagles fans thought that Philadelphia was going to be the team to draft C.D. Lamb last year. And obviously Dallas ends up doing it. And we didn't really get a chance to see CD properly destroy them because he, CD Lamb has never played the Eagles with Dak Prescott as his quarterback. And so I could see CD really going off and I could see Micah Parsons going off. I, I think, you know, it's only a few months ago, but we forget that, you know, and this is worth tracking both ways. I mean, 
it was the Eagles who traded up with the Cowboys in the first round. And the Cowboys ensured that Devontae Smith went to Philadelphia as opposed to New York. And the Eagles paid the Cowboys a third-round pick to let them draft Micah Parsons two picks later. And so th- those players, and sometimes things are kind of weirdly intertwined that way. I think CD just has maybe a career day on the offensive side of the ball. I think Micah Parsons continues to show how lucky the Cowboys got that, you know, the two corners in front of them both went off the board. And I think that that strong level of youth movement is really what propels the Cowboys to victory. RJ, what are you guys working on on blogging the boys? You know, we've got our our preview video. We obviously work closely with uh, the people that run SB Nation's Philadelphia Eagles side. So uh, we've had a lot of fun this week doing some kind of cross-pollination pieces of content. And so got our preview video, got our, our predictions, obviously, and, uh, with the Cowboys playing on Monday Night Football, it will allow us to to sit back and enjoy the Ryder Cup a little bit. And so uh, it's going to be a good weekend for the United States, both in a Ryder Cup sense and in an America's team sense. So uh, really looking forward to seeing all that come to fruition on Monday night. RJ, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. That's RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys and ESPN San Antonio. Cowboys and the Eagles coming up on Monday night.